This podcast is brought to you by the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities. It boosts our economy. It creates jobs. It even powers space travel. It's nuclear energy, and it does so much more than you think. Discover all nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm Jason Dick, CQ Roll Call's leadership editor, and I'm joined in studio here with Joe Williams, one of our Senate leadership reporters, and Mary Ellen McIntyre, one of our health reporters. We're going to be joined by Senator Bill Cassidy, a Louisiana Republican, first elected to the Senate in 2014, and before that he was in the House. He found himself in the middle of uh, the health care debate leading up to a significant September 30th deadline. Senator Cassidy, thank you so much for joining us on the Big Story Podcast. I have uh, a couple of reporters uh, here in the studio uh, that uh, are usually chasing you into a subway car or something like that in the, in the bowels of the, of, the, uh, of the Senate office buildings. Joe Williams, one of our leadership reporters, and Mary Ellen McIntyre over at the health team. Uh, thanks again for joining us over the phone. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm going to throw to to Joe Williams uh, because the you know we we've had a, a frantic couple of weeks uh, in the healthcare debate uh, that that preceded this Monday. We just want to sort of get a sort of a, a temperature check of, of where we're at. Joe, uh, Senator, thanks thanks for joining us. Um, you know, at the start of last week, there was a lot of mo- momentum um, about the proposal from yourself, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Ron Johnson, and Senator Dean Heller. It has now been almost a week since uh, you and Senator Graham announced that there would not be a vote on, on that proposal before the September 30th deadline for the um, reconciliation instructions. Can you tell us a little bit about what's next for this effort? What do you anticipate happening over the next couple months on it? And, you know, when we might be able to see some action? Um, clearly, there's an understanding that the Affordable Care Act has some significant problems in the individual market. And additionally, states are reporting across the nation that they're having a difficult time over the next year, several years, affording the match associated with the Medicaid expansion. So uh, how do we address it? We think Graham Cassidy, Howard Johnson, frankly, will come back as it's more socialized. As people kind of start seeing through the nonsense that was said about it to uh, dissuade folks from supporting and thinking, hmm, this is a pretty good alternative. We already started to see that as governors were beginning to get on board who initially had been a little bit unsure about it. So as we see more and more of that, I think that uh, as we look for alternatives, that principles in our bill will return. And you, you personally, what will you be doing behind the scenes to push this forward? And you know, will this include more rewrites of the previous drafts? Have any com- committees agreed to do um, another hearing or a markup of the legislation? A couple things about that. One, we have to socialize the concept so that when the hit pieces are put out that, that um, misrepresent the legislation, folks understand it well enough to not be persuaded by the hit piece. One example, uh, Centers for... I don't know, the John Podesta Group, Budget Progress or something, I forget, I paid Avalier to put out a, a study which scored us over 20 years, where our bill was only written for 10. So Avalier's study predictably showed that all these people lost insurance after 10 years. Total hit piece. If folks understood, no, it scored for 10 years, and that once you have it in the budget, 
uh, it can be assumed to be part of the budget for the next 10. There won't be a real problem with reauthorization. Then when Avalier puts out another hit piece and Standard & Poor echoes it, you really wonder how those two folks get paid by subscribers. Then there'll be enough understanding of the bill to push back on it and say that's not true. So we just need to socialize it so that those sorts of efforts to discredit are seen as merely an effort to discredit not having uh, credibility. And are you still anticipating the uh, Congressional Budget Office to put out a full analysis on your legislation? We do. And even that will take some understanding. Again, there was something seized upon in the report that we cut Medicaid by about a trillion dollars or so. But folks uh, didn't quote that instead of sending it through Medicaid, we sent it through the flexible block grant. And per the CBO, they anticipated that some states would continue their Medicaid expansion programs. They would just fund it through the flexible block grant, not through Medicaid. Now, that's an entirely different complexion upon, uh, uh, upon the issue. So we just need to socialize it. So, again, when folks say something ridiculous, that that is recognized as being ridiculous. And what is your intended timeline for this effort? Obviously, you guys are entering into the tax reform season. Uh, when do you anticipate hoping to see some more public action on the Graham-Cassidy-Heller-Johnson proposal? In part, we're responding to circumstances. As states begin to put together their budget for next year and find that they cannot find the dollars for the match for the Medicaid expansion, one example, California's match will be over $2 billion in my, a year uh, just for the Medicaid expansion. In my state, it's $310 million, much smaller state, but believe me, we don't have that money. Then there's going to be a uh, realization that something needs to be done. Similarly, as folks go into their enrollment for the exchanges, those, th- those problems will be highlighted. So in part, we're reacting to circumstances. So it sounds like you think, you know, once all of these new rates become finalized, that there might be a renewed pressure on congressional Republicans to act on their effort, which that could happen, you know, sometime in November? It'll be November, per se, because uh, state budgets are already socked in for this year. But I think if state legislatures come back together, we'll start seeing kind of a renewed push. And you know what's going to happen. Fifteen Democrats joined Bernie Sanders to call for uh, Medicare for all, Um, which uh, once everybody has the card, nobody will have coverage. Uh, adding 200 million people to a system which is already going bankrupt is not tenable. So, so we do know that there's a push on both sides of the aisle to do something different. We just think ours is a better proposal. And if I could ask you kind of to get into a little bit of, of what led up to last week's announcement, um, you mentioned a lot about the opposition that you face from Democrats. One of the continuous messages that Democrats um, and opposition groups talked about during this whole healthcare process was the different proposals would impact the pre-existing condition coverage. Why do you think, specifically on the Graham-Cassidy-Heller-Johnson proposal, that you guys were not, you know, largely able to kind of overcome the voices of opposition from outside that were saying that it would gut protections for pre-existing conditions, it would raise costs, um, it was largely a transfer of funds from blue states to red states. I mean, why did why was that difficult for you guys to kind of get around? Well, we had a very compressed timeline. The first vote failed first week of August, and then we had only until last week to, to not only get our proposal together, but to also socialize it. Uh, and getting our proposal together uh, required modification as we were going along. Frankly, we had not anticipated the incredible inflation rates occurring right now in the individual market, had to redo our model somewhat. 
had said, it was in the interest of those who opposed to create as much confusion as possible. And if there was something they could seize upon, the concern for those with pre-existing conditions, and if they could just amplify it so much that that truth could not be heard, well, then that was a very effective strategy. Um, there's clearly a lot of stakeholders who've done extremely well under status quo, who have been have a vested interest in making sure that there is no change to status quo. Uh, so if you add all that together, in three weeks it was difficult both to get the policy down as well as to socialize it to kind of prepare people and immunize them, if you will, against things which are absurd. That's the lesson. On the other hand, because events are going to drive action, uh, we will just continue to speak about our proposal so that when inevitably we have to do something, folks will be ready for it and won't be as surprised. And you talked about the compressed timeline. This is a proposal that in some form or another you've been advocating for for a, a while. There was a, a proposal in the same vein that you wrote with Senator Susan Collins. You then worked with Senator Lindsey Graham to put this, this other proposal together. Why do you think leadership did not recognize the potential in this approach that you guys were advocating for earlier in the process to allow you to kind of work through some of those discrepancies and some of the concerns that members of your caucus had? Well, you'd have to talk to leadership about that. I can't answer that question entirely. Uh, but um, um, I guess I just have to leave it at that. Looking back, if you would have had more time in August, in September, would you, be, would you have been more confident that the proposal would have gotten a vote before the deadline of the end of last month? Well, we know that at least two senators were concerned about process. And so if there had been more time to have so-called regular order, that would have been important for at least two votes. There would have been more time for states in which, represented by Democratic senators, for the people of those states to realize how much better Graham-Cassidy is for that state than is the ACA. One example, if you look at Virginia, Virginia, I think, would have gotten $4 billion, $4 billion with a B, dollars more between 2020 and 2026 to take care of working families in Virginia. Uh, if you look at Florida, again, represented by a Democratic senator, uh, Florida would have received, I think, $11 billion. I'm saying all this off the top of my head, but, but something along those lines. And so... Um, so I think as that would occur, Missouri would have gotten $4 billion or $5 billion, I forget which, from 2020 to 2026. As voters in those states recognize that their states would have done so much better, having more resources to provide for working families, ideally they would have pressured those Democratic senators to vote for something that was so much better for their state. Uh, it may seem naive to think that somebody would break the party line, but ideally they're there for their constituents and not for the party. So we would keep on pushing that, and I think if we have more time, we can reasonably hope for that. Senator, this is Jason Dick. Uh, along those lines, the one of the questions I have is, I mean, you, you make a good point about the you know some of these states that are represented by Democratic senators who would stand to gain, like Virginia and, and Florida, you mentioned, and, and Missouri. But how do you... How do you deal with the pushback from from states that stand to to lose uh, quite a bit, like you know, say a, a New York or a, or a California or, or Ohio? How do you how do you you know sort of equalize this so that nobody feels like they're losing a great deal? So under our last proposal, Ohio was actually receiving dollars through our flexible block grants, and they would have under the status quo. 
Now, the fact that you're asking me that question uh, demonstrates that we did not have enough time to socialize this. Uh, Rob Portman was aware of it. We had actually worked so that states such as Ohio ended up being held harmless. Uh, we also, though, at the same time, took a state like Utah or Texas, which and they were going to do substantially better than they would under the status quo. So all that to say that clearly we needed more time to socialize. That way, Jason, you would have not needed to ask that question. In terms of you talk about the the socializing it, there was some discrepancies over exactly what each state would receive. Um, I, I believe you, your office, redid the numbers a, a few times. I mean, do you have a firm formula now and a firm grasp? Do you think over what the impact for your proposal would be for states? So there's two aspects to what we were speaking of. One is the flexible block grant. The other was the per cap cap. So let me speak to the flexible block grant proposal. Um, the As I mentioned earlier, we were caught off guard. Our original formula had to be redone because the inflation rates of the Medicaid, excuse me, of the individual market are just incredible. So much so that it looks as if premiums will double every six years uh, if, if, if current trajectory holds firm. Now, clearly, that shows you why we have to do something. We just cannot afford that as a society. It will just swallow up everything, and it's only 4% of the market. So it really is quite remarkable. It's an incredible problem. Um, So we did have to adapt our formula to that. That said, we were also adapting to how much money the House of Representatives said we had to save and to a couple other factors that may or may not be there next time we redo it. So will we keep everything exactly the same? No. Uh, We have one less fiscal year as well. We're going to try and equalize the amount of money received by any American, no matter where she lived, no matter what state she lived in, uh, from 2020 through 2026. Maybe you push that back a year because if we do it next year, we'll have one less year to work with. So there's some things that inevitably have to change, but we do think that the format of what we're doing and the principles of what we're doing are good and that the American people will like it because it's ultimately about fairness. And President Donald Trump tweeted he, he believes that they have the votes um, for Graham Cassidy to pass, that um, it would reach the, the 50 votes needed. Is that accurate? Well, certainly Lisa Murkowski's statement uh, was more about process than about policy. And when you look at it, we treat Hawaii and Alaska the way they should have all, always been treated. And so, so although she's not committed... We do think that uh, once folks in Alaska and Hawaii realize, hmm, our cost of living is one and a half times the other 48, but we've always been compensated as if it were exactly the same until Graham Cassidy Eller Johnson comes along, and now we realize that we're compensated along the lines of our cost of living. That's good policy. So the folks in Hawaii and Alaska might say, we're going to support that policy. Or if we're not, we better explain why we're not. So we do think that uh, Senator Mikowski uh, would look at this and find good policy. Senator McCain's objection was always about process, not about policy. And then um, uh, we get going down, just going down the line, we do think that if we had had more time for process, we could have had our 50 votes. Senator, this is Mary Ellen. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, you and Senator Graham last week met with President Trump on the path forward on health care. How, what did you take away from that meeting, and do you think that he's going to be continuing to advocate for this um, direction in the next coming months? Uh, I take away that the president's not a quitter, that he understands the importance of this issue, 
He understands that what I described earlier is true. Those in the individual market are going to be unable to afford their premiums. States will be unable to afford their match. Something has to be done. Um, and he's not a president who ducks issues. I suspect he understands that it'll come back around. And this is good policy to address it when it does. And sorry, Senator Cass, I know you're short on time. Just one last question. While you guys were pushing forward your appeal offer last week, both the CHIP program and funding for the community health centers lapsed, you yourself worked in a, a community health center. Did you have any concerns or regrets about not being able to push forward that proposal because the repeal effort was taking up um, all of the attention in the Senate? I don't know that the two are related, uh, but let's just say that it's my understanding that about every state in the nation has enough money for their current CHIP program, that there'll be no cessation of services because of lack of money, that the CHIP program has been agreed upon as to how to go forward, and that before states run out of money, it will be reauthorized. And so it isn't so much about the deadline. It's about making sure the patients get cared for, and it appears as if patients will be cared for without interruption. Senator, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking time out of uh, what has become an increasingly busy schedule in the last few weeks, uh, and we hope to hear from you again. Hey, thank you all very much for the opportunity to, 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 to speak with you. Take care. And now, more from our sponsor the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities and towns across the country. It creates jobs. It adds billions to the economy. It even powers space travel. Life as we know it wouldn't be life as we know it without it. And it's called nuclear energy. Yes, nuclear energy. Every day, nuclear energy helps us to keep our country running and moving forward. Discover all the things nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. Nuclear. Power the extraordinary. Mel, I was struck by Senator Cassidy's use of the word socialized a lot, that he kept on coming back that, that if, if people were just sort of became more familiar with the, the product, that they would have felt more comfortable with it um, and, and seemed to, you know, kind of cast a little aspersion on some of the uh, some of the analyses that came out, you know, and making some good points. I mean, you have to take things with a grain of salt if they're, you know, things are commissioned by the Center for American Progress. However, every single stakeholder of, of sort of any, you know, sort of significance, whether it was the American Medical Association, the American Health, uh, you know, Hospital Association, ARP, I mean, everybody had a problem with this. It, was it just socialization problems on, on the behalf of those, uh, all those different uh, stakeholder groups? I mean, I think part of it was that this was a completely new idea that really kind of came out of nowhere. But it's really difficult to overhaul the health care system, the individual insurance market, without any support from those groups. And those groups you've seen have come out against pretty much every single Republican health care plan that has come out this year, both in the House and Senate. You know, they have very much strongly opposed to that. And I think that's something that definitely affects public opinion when it's not, does, isn't winning over the support. And these groups weren't coming out and saying, we haven't had the time to review this yet. They were saying this would completely reshape what we have to do. Another thing that we saw in this proposal from Senators Graham and Cassidy is that states would have to really remake their insurance system in about two years, which was a very daunting task a lot of experts and state officials had been warning about. So that was something that state governments were going to have to come together very quickly and work out. And obviously, this is a controversial issue, so that wouldn't be too easy for them. And, you know, Mary Ellen made a good point that that Jason brought up during the interview was 
they sold Senators Graham and Cassidy sold this proposal as something that governors would get behind. They said multiple times, if you can get the governors behind it, the proposal will succeed. And while you did have a number of Republican governors coming out and supporting this, there's quite a few Republican governors and Democratic governors who came out in opposition to this. So to kind of have that opposition while you're trying to pitch this as something that's extremely beneficial for the states and for the governors, that was also, I think, a very difficult thing to overcome. Mel, we we do have uh, we won't be seeing any more Graham Cassidy this week probably, but we will be seeing some action on on some other healthcare related items like like chip. Uh, what what do we expect to see this week going on? A couple of things. The Senate Finance Committee is going to be marking up on Wednesday their chip reauthorization bill, which would is a bipartisan deal. Five years of extended funding. They're planning to mark that up on Wednesday. The House Energy and Commerce Committee is also going to be marking up a bill this week. They haven't exactly announced a date yet. As of when we're doing this podcast on Monday, the bill isn't out yet. But sometime this week, they're planning to mark that up as well. So those are things that we should be seeing movement on. Lawmakers say that they want to move on this quickly after missing the deadline over the weekend. I said at one point, politics never sleeps on a previous podcast. I think we can uh, do in a little addendum. Healthcare never sleeps. Definitely. Joe, Mel, thank you so much for, for talking to, you know, here on the Big Story podcast and, and, uh, in, and talking to Senator Cassidy. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Listeners, I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. Thank you for listening. <laughs>